This podcast contains spoilers, explicit language, and is not made for anyone under the age of 13. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to John vs. Film. And today we're taking a look at 1967's Daikaiju Kuchusen, Gamera Tai Gyausu, or also known as Gamera vs. Gauss. The film was directed by Noriaki Yuasa, who did both the human storyline as well as the special effects. So he's both, you know, the special effects director and the movie director, and is also written by Nissan Takahashi, who we've seen through the previous two movies and who we'll see as the credits going forward uh if i checked last time so yes we're in the third installment of the gamma franchise and this one holds a dear place in my heart because when i was like a little kid i when i mean like little i was like four five like like very little it was before i was even in elementary school really or just just starting it it's like somewhere you know between the two um well anyway for those uh for anyone listening who is in the gen z generation there there used to be this place like these places where you could rent movies uh rent physical media specifically and you might have heard of the Blockbuster video. Well, when I was a kid, I went to this place called Hollywood Video. That's where I went to rent uh, movies, or my family did. Because, again, I was four years old at the time. So it's not like I could drive myself to the store or the rental place to get movies myself. But uh, when I was that you know little, I, you know couple like two of the movies that i would run all the time were gamma movies this was one of them gamma versus gauss so i used to rent this a lot of the time and there were other movies i used to rent all the time like some godzilla movies my family didn't own and that was pretty much just godzilla versus Fedora or godzilla versus smog monster and there was transformers the movie Digimon the movie, you know, I I, I kind of stick with kind of the same stuff, but regardless, this was definitely one of the movies I would rent all the time. The other Gamera movie I would rent all the time was Gamera versus Zegra. I think those were like the two Gamera movies available at our Hollywood Video uh, for VHS, and I also owned one VHS movie of Gamera, but I'll get to it when later on, because that, that one holds even more dear place in my heart, but yeah, anyway, I have very fond nostalgic memories of this movie, but before we begin, let's do a quick rundown of what John vs. Film, or how John vs. Film is broken up, so it's you know, I first talk about synopsis of the movie, give you a little brief 
comedic synopsis. And then I talk about five things I like about the movie. Then I go into five things I dislike or criticize about the movie. And I wrap it all up with an overall thoughts. So, you got that? Well, I hope so. Because we're about to begin with the synopsis of Gamma vs. Gas. So, here we go. A volcano in Japan erupts, which attracts our fire-loving turtle, Gamera, and awakens the vampire kaiju, Gauss, from his thousand-year-old nap. While Gamera seems no longer interested in attacking human civilization, the same can't be said about Gauss, as he finds humans to be a very tasty snack, especially after, again, that thousand-year-old nap. The two monsters will collide in the third entry of the series. So yeah, that's pretty much it. It's Gamera versus Gauss. Good versus evil. Well, Gamera hasn't fully established his good side, you know, persona. Because the last two movies, especially the first one, Gamera was more the villain. And the second one, he was to be, he was a bad guy at the start, but then he decided to fight Barugan. And this one... Yeah, you know, he. this is his transition to being a hero as he fights someone that actively harms humanity. Like, you can say what Gamera did was bad, but Gamera didn't really eat humans. But Gauss, he does eat humans, so Gauss is worse. Gauss is definitely worse, so we're going to go... So, yeah... <laughs> I, I, I gotta stop saying so yeah all the time. <laughs> but we're going to talk about the five things I like. And we're going to start off with the human cast and story. Uh, I really like how the drama isn't black and white and addresses issues of the time. Uh, again, like the previous two movies, I watched August Ragoni's introduction or, you know, of the movie before watching it. And apparently, during the time, there was, you know, volcanoes, you know, being active. And also during the time, there was uh, protests, you know, happening in Japan where, so like Japan during 1967 was establishing, a, you know, an expressway, a highway, whatever you want to call it. But apparently there was a lot of protests and vandalism from farmers who did not want the expressway to go through or they didn't want to sell their land for the expressway to move forward. You know, so yeah, the movie does tackle that issue. Um, but what I mean about the drama, you know, or at least it's not so black and white where it's like, oh, it's the evil corporation or, oh, the evil farmers. It's sort of a, you know, uh, the company that's trying to make the expressway, they are still a very corporate, you know, entity doing it for profits and stuff and for other investors. However, for the, like, for the company, it's not the companies themselves that are going to the farmers. It has to be the constructor, construction workers themselves who have to go and deal with the farmers. They have to do the work, you know. At the end of the day, they're just, uh, you know, they're just doing a job. They have no choice. It's either that or not have any money for food. Like, they need to eat. And the foreman of these construction workers is played by 
Kojiro Hongo, which we uh, remember from the previous movie, Gamera vs. Barugan. However, you know, for the farmer's side who are protesting and even get to the point of vandalism, you know, for the construction workers, you know, who again, they're just doing the job. Uh, they they seem to like at the beginning be like, oh, we don't want to sell our land. But it turns out the reason why they're doing it is that these farmers want to renegotiate the price. They want more money for their land. So it's not so much that the farmers are completely innocent. They're just protecting their land. No, they're they're looking to sell their land, but they're looking for a better price for the land. And, and the farmers are led by Tatsuemon Kanamura, who is played by Kichijiro Ueda. And I, I just find that drama very interesting, or at the very least, you know, not so black and white. And there's some nuance to it, you know, with the farmers who have, you know, always been poor. They want a chance to be rich and they feel like protesting to the point where they're guaranteed a higher price. You know, that's interesting. And then you got the workers who, again, you feel bad for because they got no choice in the matter as they, you know, they're being treated poorly by the farmers, but they're also getting harassed by the higher-ups in the, you know, the corporate sector to get this expressway done. You know, so you feel bad for them. Uh, and it also gets, you know, worse as, you know, the monsters start to rampage, you know, which I'll get into, you know, in a little bit, but I just want to say, like, you know, the farmers just treat a lot of the workers poorly. They won't sell the farmers food or milk. You know, not, I'm sorry. The farmers won't sell the workers, you know, food or milk. And then what makes it worse is that when the giant monster, you know, happens, there's the workers are still forced to work, even though, hey, giant monsters, they're, they're rampaging. I mean, a lot of the workers do leave, but the foreman has to stay because he's the boss. And uh, I think the two workers that stay with uh, foreman Shiro, says to me, is uh, it's been I'm not recording this right away, so I don't I'm hoping I got the cast right for this one. It, it's a good chance I didn't, but it's uh, Mene no Tetsu, played by Taro Marui, and Hachiko, who's played by Yukitaro Hotaru. Hotaru. Uh, again, I might be wrong with the cast. It's completely possible, but I'm. I feel like I'm right. But let me know in the comments if I am horribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> so, anyways, as, uh, you know, we get the, you know, and I feel like the two, you know, workers who stay with the foreman, they're kind of sort of a comedic relief. But, again, you still feel bad for them because they're just being treated poorly regardless and have to deal with the monster stuff. Uh, but, yeah. 
you know, and I mentioned this briefly, but another thing that's great about the story is that we really get to see how giant monsters rampaging affect the common folk. Uh, granted, this isn't the first movie that's done this. We've gotten plenty examples of, like, Gamera... No, not Gamera. <laughs> uh, Godzilla Raids Again and Rodan. You know, so we have examples of that, but... And the Gamera movies, or at least the previous two. Because the first one, yeah, well, we got the common folk with... Toshio and his family, but it was mostly focused on the professor, you know, who discovered Gamera and the military. And for Gamera versus Burugan, it was again, they weren't so, you know, common, you know, folk, you know, as the main cast. They were because they were the ones that instigated, you know, the kaiju happening. Oh, it's not like it's a, it's like a small cast of. You know, characters, you know, that regains this perspective of, you know, for, and while there are, like, for the last movie, there was an instance where we got to see a lot of people hiding in the shelter or in the subways, or whatever, from Burugan's Rampage or whatever, and we got some brief snippets of, you know, workers in the beginning of Gamma vs. Burugan. You know, reacting to Gamera's descent on the dam. You know, it's like those little moments, but it's not something that happens throughout the entire movie. But here, it's different because you get a community of people, or you get some workers. You know, you really get to see how, you know, for these community, you know, this farmer community, how Gauss, you know, in particular, has affected their well-being and their chances of selling the expressway because what happens is that the farmers actually you know deviate from their leader Tatsuman Tatsuman and because they're like no we're tired we're, we're scared of the monster we want to sell our land but guess what because they've listened to Tatsuman and waited and Gauss has been like rampaging a lot. The foreman actually says, "We don't know if we're going to be going through that way. We might just go around." So the rest of the farmers feel, you know, really butthurt from, you know, having weight and possibly missing out on the already established deal, and now they're screwed. You know, so and that's like just a common scene we see throughout the entire movie. And for the last part of this, you know, point that I want to mention for the human element is that we are back to having a kid and the main cast. You know, we missed it out in the last movie, Gamera for Spur Gun. It was zero kids, adults only. Uh, we got our child protagonist, who is Eichi Kanamura, who is the grandson of Tatsuiman and Eichi is played by Naoyuki Na <clears throat> I'm sorry Naoyuki Naoyuki Abe and I gotta say this kid so much of an improvement over Toshio because Eichi at least feels like a kid and there are moments where he's like ooh I want to see the monster action but he also is like Oh, oh no! Never mind. I'm scared. No, no, 
now I'm scared. You know, he gets scared. Uh, in the beginning of the movie, he does, you know, it's like, hey, let's go to this cave. You know, but as soon as danger happens, he wants to run away, but gets, you know, trapped. And the adult that, you know, tr- you know, like, uh, so to give some context in the beginning of the movie, there's this reporter who wants to have the first scoop and he gets, and he bumps into Eiichi who is guarding this trail for the farmers to use to, you know, pretty much go and vandalize the construction workers work site. But a, you know, the reporter, he doesn't necessarily trick. He more so persuades Eiichi to be a guide and, you know, to go find Gamera. You know, he pretty much is like, hey, we'll, we'll find Gamera, buddy. Yeah, let's go. Little shithead. Oh. <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, anyway. You know, so in the movie, you know, H.E., you know, tells the reporter, hey, let's go in this cave. But then they accidentally stumble upon Gauss. But the reporter leaves H.E. behind. And is like, hey, help me. And he's not like Toshio, where Toshio's like, I want to go see Gamera. Yeah, going headfirst into danger. I'm going to die. H.E.'s like, no, I don't want to die. No, 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 no. Uh, get me out of here. Get me out of here. Okay, you're abandoning me. Cool. And it's at this point where we get to see Gamera actually protect Eiichi. And Gamera even gives Eiichi a ride. But other than that, Eiichi has actually helped help the human cast instead of trying to like, no, please don't hurt Gamera. Or root for the humans to fail. Like, yeah, the humans have failed. Go Gamera. No, Ichi's like, actually, like, first of all, he's the one that names Gauss. Gauss, because that's how, you know, Gauss sounds. He makes a Gauss noise. How, how do you make a Gauss noise? Gauss. I, I don't know. Uh, it works better in the movie. Gauss sounds a lot better than my very poor... <laughs> Uh, in, imitation of that war. <laughs> but not only that, Aichi also, you know, actually helps, you know, with the plans to defeat Gauss as he's, you know, in the, like he's involved with the human cast and the scientists and all that trying to stop, you know, Gauss particularly because Gauss is the main threat of this movie. Um, like there's a scene where they're like, "Oh, we gotta try to like where a lot of the scientists and adults are like, we could you know potentially get Gauss to stay, you know, stay somewhere if we could do that to stay somewhere long enough for the sun to come up and pretty much kill him because Gauss does not like the sunlight. He sunlight kind of kills him." The UV rays, you know, it shows in the movie that because Ga- with a fight with his camera, Gauss loses uh, part of his foot and we see the foot wash up, but the foot itself shrinks with UV rays. And like, hmm, if we can get Gauss to stay long enough where he'll 
be to her from the sun, we'll have a chance to kill him. And they were like wondering, well, how are we going to do that? What We need something big enough for Gal- to hold Gauss to get him dizzy and to stay there, you know. And the kid's like, hey, there's this building right there that can do it. So Aichi helps in that way. And then finally, you know, for the big conflict, Aichi was the one to come up with the idea of create a forest fire to attract Gamera and have Gamera fight Gauss. You know, and Aichi was the one to make up that idea. And the grandfather actually goes to the scientist to be like, hey, do that. Yeah, no, that's like my grandson came up with this idea. It's actually a good idea. And what other choice do we have? We tried everything else. And that was also a moment where the grandfather was making amends for, you know, his greediness because, you know, he's in, he put himself, his family, and the rest of the villagers, you know, in this situation because. You know, he probably, you know, because of his greed and the greed of the farmers as well. You know, so he's like making amends by like helping to fight Gauss and actually owning up like, yeah, no, I was an idiot, but now I'm learning my lesson. So again, Aichi, MVP of this movie. Uh, So after that. My next point for the I likes is that Gauss himself. Gauss is awesome. He is iconic. And he has a very solid build up to his first, you know, full appearance. Uh, like In terms of Barugan in the last movie, I didn't touch upon this, but now that I'm thinking about it, Barugan didn't have too much of a build up. He didn't. Like, um, yeah, there wasn't so much of a buildup, like, until it had, because the thing is, it's like, in the previous movie, you know, the human cast are like, Opal, yep, the Opal, we got the Opal, then it was later they found out the Opal was actually an egg, and that's where the buildup for Brogun happens. Here, though, at the beginning of the movie, Volcano erupts, you know, and it attracts Gamera. But what happens then is that, you know, we get to see uh, news, you know, reporters cover, you know, this research helicopter that's going to go to the volcano to explore, you know, the volcano to research Gamera to see, like, what's Gamera up to? Because it, at this point in the Gamera series, Gamera is still on iffy terms with humanity. Humanity's still not sure about Gamera. They're like, oh, we gotta keep an eye on them. So as the helicopter, you know, is going, you know, to the volcano, right by the volcano, the there's a kind of like a smaller volcano-ish, you know, mountain. That's producing a green light. And through that tunnel we hear Gauss's roar. I believe. And I'm not sure about the roar. But I'm pretty sure we hear Gauss's roar. And then we see Gauss shooting his iconic you know, beam. You know. Like supersonic. You know beam that cuts. You know things in half. Like it's not a regular beam. Like something that's really cool about Gauss. Is that 
his beam isn't like, oh, it's gonna like cause a big explosion. No, it slices things in half, like Goemon's sword and the Lupin show, where it's just perfectly sliced. That's what his beam does, and that's what happens. Gauss, you know, beam hits the helicopter right in the middle. Helicopter splits up and then explodes. You know, with the collision itself. You know, so we got this like, oh, what, what happened here? And then we get the reporter that I mentioned earlier that tricks Aichi to, you know, try to get him to scoop to see what happened. But, you know, they stumble upon Gauss, you know, and the reporter actually gets eaten by Gauss. And even though we see the reporter getting lift up and we have like little clips of you know, Gauss, it's like very close-up shots of Gauss. We never get a full appearance of Gauss. But we do get, you know, enough detail like, oh, this is big. Big monster. Just ate a human. Not cool. And then it's only a little bit after that when, you know, we see Gauss emerge from his cave. You know, and he's just bah, his head bobs up and down through the tree, and it's a it's a great build up to his first fall appearance. Uh, Gauss design, I also really love it. It's again very iconic, you know, being very bat like. It's like a bat combined with pterodactyl. It's uh, as semblance of Rodan. Gauss also has this like iconic triangle flat head. You know, he's a really cool villain, and. It, Again, you know, the whole vampire inspiration for Gauss, I think, greatly benefits, you know, why, you know, to this kaiju's overall theme and design and whatever, and is why Gauss has stayed so iconic with Gamma. Like, that's the one kaiju that has constantly reappeared throughout the series. You know, like, Gauss has... One, he has cool powers. He has this cool vampire motif. You know, I mentioned earlier that Gauss can't be in the sun. Uh, so yeah, it's just Gauss is a really cool monster. Uh, so I'm going to end that point with Gauss there. So we're on to my next point, And is that Gamera. Gamera himself is handled much better in this movie and it definitely starts to solidify his friend to all children hero status. Like, this is a transition movie. And what I mean about Gamera being handled this movie better is that in the previous movie, Gamera appears three times. One in the beginning, one in the middle, and one time at the end. It's, you know, that was how Gamera was handled in that movie. And it really made it feel like Gamera got sidelined in this movie. But here, Gamera appears multiple times throughout the movie. is constantly talked about. You know, along with Gauss, there's a better balance between both Gauss and Gamera. You know, uh, because, you know, there's still this, you know, like sense of is Gamera good? You know, evil Gamera might be our only hope. You know, we see multiple encounters you know, I, I guess I'm combining two points in one. I just realized this looking at my notes. But, yeah, I just want to mention that uh, Gamera is definitely, this is definitely a Gamera movie. Gamera doesn't get sidelined for Gauss. 
Gamera is in the forefront. You know, we see, you know, characters talking about Gamera. So it's just, it's just great to see. So, and I, I mentioned this before, but this is my next point. And that is the fights are, are improved and there's more of them and it gives a better balance between the two kaiju. So yeah, one of the criticisms I had is that, uh, yeah, with the last movie, Gamera was handled poorly and the fights could have used some improvement. They felt a little slow paced or, and they weren't short. You know, and they fell a bit short. Here, though, these fights, uh, like, it makes, uh, <clears throat> so we get such a variety of fights. Because we get Gamera fighting Gauss on land. We get Gamera and Gauss fighting in the air. We get Gamera trying to pull Gauss into the ocean and all that. We see the two injure each other. It's, they're really good fights. And we see some, like, clever fighting tactics from Gamera, like using his, like his shell to roll down a hill to hit Gauss. And they're like very creative. They're better paced. And there is more of them. And we get to see that this is definitely a bigger battle between the two. Oh, and they're more memorable, definitely for sure than Brogan. So I think the... And like I mentioned before, there is a better balance between the two kaiju. Like, you know, we get some gal, we get some moments of Gauss by himself, you know, to establish him being a threat. We had little moments at the beginning of Gamera by himself, and they're like sparse moments, like in the movie. I will say that you know there isn't too many moments of Gamera by himself, but there's sparse moments like in the beginning, and there was one after the first battle of. You know, with Gauss, you know, because in the movie, Gamera gets injured by Gauss's, you know, beam. And we actually see Gamera bleed. So Gamera is, we see Gamera resting in the ocean, healing himself. So that was cool. And yeah, and the fights again, it's just, they're better. And there's more variety. And there's not too much that you can ask for. I... And to my final point of my likes is that I gotta mention this. The music, I really like this. Uh, the music here and the reason I'm mentioning it. I have to mention it here. You know, I, I almost was going to talk about the tokusatsu effect, but doing a, just a little bit more surface re, you know, research, I realized this is the composer's last Gamera movie, so, and I really want to mention that. So... I'm going to do a little search on the IMDb. And we're going to find that the music is by Tadashi Yamauchi, who did the music for the first Gamera movie. He did not do the music for Burugan, but he did do the music for Daikaiju Gamera. And the reason I got to say I like the music is because I really like his theme for Gamera and these you know, at least these two movies, you know, it's very foreboding. And because it's the da, 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 you know, it's very, there's some sort of iconic to the, yeah, iconicness to them. That makes, you know, that it feels very much like, 
oh yeah, Gamera's this big, big guy, and it also feels somewhat heroic too, even though kind of foreboding. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to mention that the composer did a really good job with these first, like for Gamera and Gamera versus Gauss. And it is going to be a real shame to not see his work in future Showa-era Gamera movies. But I just want to give him credit that, yeah, I really enjoyed his, you know, work. And the, you know, those two Gamera movies and especially his theme or motif for Gamera himself. But with all the likes said and done, I got to get into some of my dislikes, some criticisms, and, but mostly nitpicks because I, I honestly had trouble really putting uh, five dislikes on this movie. Uh, so the first one is, this is very much a nitpick, but it's more of a, like in the first battle, Gamera goes to save Aichi, and there's just some like circumstances of like, wait, Gamera, you're moving your arms way too much. Aichi probably fell off a bit. Or, most importantly, Gamera, how on earth did you reach the back of your shell to put Aichi on? It's, I, I'm trying to figure out. Your arms do not have that much mobility where you can reach behind you know, your shell. It's very much... Very weird. Uh, like, uh, it breaks the laws of physics and just anatomy. I, I just don't get it. As you can probably tell from the tone of my voice, that was definitely a nitpick and not something I have a real issue with. I just needed a filler spot. Cut me some slack. Sometimes it's hard to find five things I dislike about a movie. Uh, but this one, I it's still probably in the next, you know, nitpick. But it's definitely like something that can be a criticism and that is the suits themselves they sometimes look a bit too stiff or lifeless during action scenes or there's just some moments where they're kind of just standing still like how i mentioned gauss you know is getting injured by gamma you know no like gamma is getting injured by gauss by the beam and the beams you know cutting gamma's arm well the thing is <laughs> They're not really moving too much when that's happening, and Gamera's kind of letting it happen. So yeah, there's some stiffness in these fights, but it's not so bad where, you know, I still think the fights are better, but it's still, like, something to notice where it's like, yeah, there's some moments where they just look a bit too stiff or, um, you know, lifeless. This next point... Uh, again, it's it's just one of those like nitpicks, you know. But it's something that maybe could have helped the movie a bit because the movie, see, the movie is uh hour and twenty seven minutes, which isn't bad and is shorter than the previous movie. But it does feel that there are like there's just like one too many failed attempts to you know fight Gauss, and I feel like. One of them could have been cut. I don't know which one I would have cut particularly. Because, you know, they are entertaining. But it might have helped the movie flow a bit faster or feel a bit tighter. If they just cut one of those sequences out. It could have uh, benefited from the movie 
we if it was you know just it tightened it up a bit uh this next point is just like it feels more like the first point and is that it's more of the question of why is Eiji the only kid in the movie it, it is kind of weird that he is like the only kid we see in the village or these group of farmers that's like wait does everybody else not have kids do you guys not have kids <laughs> uh but seriously it's just like especially since i watched the trailer beforehand and we see he cheering on gamera with a couple other kids and it's just one of those like questions of like where are the other kids is he the only kid in this village was going on it just kind of feels weird to have only one kid in the movie. I, I wasn't expecting like a big cast of kids or to have more kids, you know, show up throughout the entire movie. But just have a sense where it's like, make it so Eiichi doesn't feel like he's the only kid in Japan. <laughs> just saying. Uh, and then finally, this is the last point. It's very much very much a nitpick and i don't have an issue with the song itself but i just want to say the gamer song at the end is not the iconic one it's not the good one we gotta wait one more movie until we get to the good the good gamera song the catchy one the 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 beautiful infamous but very beloved gamera song we all know and love and the gamera song that i find to be really neat <laughs> So yeah, as you can probably tell with my dislikes and criticisms, I I don't really have any. So we're going to go and end things off with my overall thoughts. So yeah, this is one of my favorite Gamera movies when I was a kid. And it's still entertaining to this day. I still really love it. And I'm it's probably one of my favorites, if not my favorite, from the Showa era. This movie is an overall improvement from the first two Gamera movies, and it, I really like to see that, that sense of improvement. That's one thing I'm like enjoying watching these movies, or at least these first three, because uh, I, I will say I start watching, you know, going forward. You know, I, I know the movies going forward. You know, these are all rewatches for me, so the improvement kind of does stop here, but. At least for these first three, it was nice to see the movies just constant improvements from one another. And that's that this movie kind of really cements the foundation for Gamera movies going forward with, you know, this is like the pretty much this is what's going to happen is that, yep, these are going to be kids movies, or at least kids are going to be a big part of the movie. Gamera's going to be a hero. This is the one that says, okay. This is the, what Gamera's transitioning into. This is what Gamera's going to go, you know, going to be moving forward. Gauss is a fantastic villain, and it's great to see Gamera make the shift to be to being a full-on hero kaiju in this movie. And have, seeing the two duke out was really great. So, and I recommend this for anyone who wants to get into the early Gamera movies to for to watch this one. You know, if I had to choose one show era Gamera movie, you know, for them to watch, that isn't uh, so bad it's good, you know, but one that I genuinely feel, yeah, this is actually pretty good, it would be this movie. And, yep, so there you have it. 
the we're at the end of the podcast episode. Woohoo! Yeah. Uh, next week we're going to be taking a look at the next movie in the franchise, which is Gamera versus Virus or Virus, Virus. And I got also mention that thank you so much for listening to the end of the episode. Uh, if you are listening to this through YouTube, make sure you press subscribe. Uh, press the like button, dislike, comment. Uh, this podcast is also available on iTunes. Spot- uh, well, it's not iTunes, but Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean.com, and Podcast Attic, and maybe more to come. On That'll be it for this episode. Again, once again, I appreciate you for listening this far. And I hope you have a fantastic day. Take care.